It is Lucky 7, 7, 2023. So it's only two sevens, not three sevens, but it's still lucky, I think. And it certainly uh, bodes well if you're looking for a dose of common sense this week. You're about to get it. Uh, and not that luck is uh, is luck relevant to common sense. Maybe. Uh, I guess you could always say, the, the uh, you know, of all people who said this, Brett Michael, I heard him say it, the, the harder he works, the luckier he gets, um, which uh, is uh, a pretty insightful uh, realization. So anyway, we're at commonsenseohioshow.com if you want to look it up. And what we'd like you to do as you're looking it up, go ahead and subscribe and share and like. Send it to all your neighbors. Send it to all your friends. Everybody who you listen to at the pool this summer that you're uh, when you're talking to your buddy over the fence as you're cutting your grass and you think, man, that guy just doesn't make any sense. Maybe you can, don't, don't accuse him of not having common sense, but just suggest the show. Maybe he'll say, uh, okay, I'll check it out and realize where he's gone awry. He's not been listening to Common Sense Ohio. And what are we? We are a Ohio-centric news commentation, commentator, commentary show. Uh, with uh, We got Norm coming in remotely. We got Brett from Circle 270, uh, the usual crew. I am here. And uh, without further ado, we will get started. And as we always do, we kick the ball over to Norm because he is uh, Mr. Preparation and this time uh, well, coming in remotely, but uh, certainly Norm, you know, there's lots going on again. You know, we talked last week about those Ohio or those um, uh, U.S. Supreme Court cases and, and some of the ramific- fallout and ramifications of that. I mean, I, I, I not that it's Ohio related, but we do have a cocaine problem here in Ohio also. So we probably should talk about cocaine at the White House uh, at some point. Uh, but anyway, for now, I'll let you uh, take the ball and run. I got to ask you, Brett Michaels, what a reference. So um, we're doing rock and roll philosophy here. Yeah. And you know what? It was, uh, you know where it came from? The, the, Some uh, great white, great white album or what? When he was on The Apprentice with Donald Trump. Oh my God. They interviewed him. And he goes, I've always found that the harder I work, the luckier I get. And you know, I, it's funny. I, I, I didn't even watch that show, but uh, that one I happened to watch. Um Oh, my God. <laughs> and I that remembered is, it. It stuck hilarious. with me for a decade, probably. So wasn't he with a band called Great White? No, Poison. Poison. Yeah. Poison. Poison. Okay. He's actually a pretty interesting guy. He's got type 1 diabetes. Uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a good musician. He's a hard worker. I always found those bands, you know, they always seem to go off the rails uh, with alcohol, drugs, or both. Uh, right. all the above, but there's always one or two in any band that is a solid, solid musician, uh, and a hard worker because you just, you know, I don't care whether you like the music, whether it's bubble gummy or not, those bands back in the seventies, sixties, seventies and eighties, I mean, they were real bands. They, they weren't just, um, electronically getting it done in the studio. They were actually writing music and, and, uh, you know, it's not that it was complex Mozart stuff, but, uh, right. you know, they were, he was churning out pop hits left and right. And it, yeah, you know, I, I, I heard overnight, um, or by mistake. I heard I, I heard Billy Idol was on Trump's show too. Oh, really? I didn't the, I didn't know that. So you know, he probably I now unlike uh, who, who was the um, the lady with a single name? I can't think of her name, but he appointed her to some White House office. He probably should have brought in Brett Michael and uh, Billy Idol yeah. into the Trump administration. I, I, what was the other lady's name? Uh, Roseanne, or I don't know. She had a she had she was like Madonna. She didn't have a last name, just a single you know hmm. identifier. Yeah, she was so famous. And she was I, on The Apprentice. I, yeah, and she wrote a Telltale book. Uh, well, there was a gal. She, Omarosa was that? Who was that? That was that's uh, it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, she there wasn't a singer, 
but she, no, no, but she was on The Apprentice, I believe. Yeah, she was, and you know, she was. Uh, she came out that's who. against yeah. Trump later. I think that that's how I know that name. Nah. Well, tell Telltale Book, right? Yeah. So, well, the most amazing thing to me, we could talk. I, de- you know, I definitely want to talk about this Secret Service. Oh, hey, a little baggie of cocaine. Um, you know, and golly jeepers, who's been living in the White House recently? But uh, a coke addict. But you know. But I mean, anyway, you know. On the other hand, if you're a coke addict, you're probably not going to misplace your coke, or maybe. You're... <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. He misplaced his PC and his gun, didn't he? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> High quality. So, High quality. Yeah. High quality. Yeah. But I think the most amazing thing, and you guys you guys, and our listeners probably remember, uh, you know, I put on my uh, Kreskin, uh, you know, pointy hat, my aluminum foil Kreskin hat, <laughs> and I predicted... Um, I guess back in December of 2022, one of our shows talking about what the big things were going to be in 2023. And I picked the number one story that I thought would be the most consequential um, came out on July 4th, uh, a decision from a, a federal judge, a district court judge granting injunctive relief um, <clears throat> uh, against you know, on behalf of the state of Missouri and the state of Louisiana against the Biden administration having any coordination with social media companies to suppress the viewpoints of American people. And and it was it, it's a First Amendment case. Ba- basically, his injunction, 155 pages. If you boil it all down, I didn't read all 155, so just say this up front. But there are some doozy quotes out of that decision, and yeah. I, I hope Brett gets I hope Brett gets busy and looks them up <laughs> while while I'm blabbing here. But th- he talks about it being completely Orwellian, as if the Biden administration had created a, a ministry of truth uh, that they would take people from the FBI or other individuals. Jen Psaki was, I believe, deposed in this matter, a former White House spokesperson. And they would literally coordinate with Google, Facebook, Twitter, whoever, all, all the Silicon Valley, you know, mind control people. And they would, they would ask them to strike down comments and memes that would be contra to White House policy. This is the judge writing this. Uh, Contra to COVID-19 official positions. Contra to uh, the border incursions on our southern border, what the policy is down there and and, uh, people's viewpoints about, uh, you know, that it's just an open border. Etc. Etc. The judge went through in his 155 pages, issue by issue by issue, and addressed the points that were brought up by the attorney generals for the states of Louisiana and Missouri. This case is called Missouri v. Biden, and uh, I, it, it, it's just it, it's just an unbelievably um, heavy duty smackdown of what I thought was the number one story for this year was going to be this 
oppression of the, the First Amendment rights of Americans to say what their opinions are and under the aegis of fact-checking uh, and, de you know, by using tools like deplatforming people or shadowing their accounts so that, oh, I see my post, but my post didn't go to the usual two million people that follow me on, you know, and, and there was all that shadow banning, all that kind of stuff. And this is the case, guys, that brought out the Elon Musk, the famous Matt Taibbi and the other reporters, the Twitter uh, papers that brought out the Twitter files about all the machinations between the federal government and social media. And essentially his injunction says you cannot deputize. What the federal government can't do itself, it also cannot deputize uh, or cause a third party to act on its behalf to suppress speech. Yeah, a couple things to unpack there. Let's just start with the procedure. What this was was an injunction. An injunction is where somebody says, uh, we want a court order preventing somebody from doing something. Um, or I guess in, in some rare situations, actually specifically ordering somebody to do something. But most of the time, it's like preventing the enforcement of a law, preventing the enforcement of some action. Now, here the injunction was targeted at the federal government, the Biden administration, the executive branch of government. From uh, They were seeking an order preventing the government from intervening and ordering or orchestrating censorship out of the social media uh, platforms. So that's the procedure. Now, an injunction is not a win. A an injunction just means until the case is decided, uh, we're not the the federal government or the Biden administration cannot do this. However, like I've talked about this in the context of other sort of significant Supreme Court cases recently, um, a, a lot of times an injunction is tantamount to uh, winning the case because one of the there's a bunch of factors that the judge will consider uh, in. Uh, issuing an injunction. One is whether there's going to be irreparable harm. Another big one that we always look for is going to be the likelihood of success on the merits. So the judge here is not deciding on the merits that Biden can or can't do this. But what he is going to do is is comment on the likelihood of success should the case ever proceed to full litigation in, in a trial. And here, what the judge has basically said in a scathing, insightful, 155-page monster opinion that this is Orwellian First Amendment. Uh, this is an Orwellian First Amendment nightmare. Those are my words. Uh, but uh, the the judge says this that the, he's concluded that there is a likelihood of success on the merits, and that's telling the Biden administration you can't do this. This is a smackdown, and that that I, I think ironically and interestingly, the Biden administration has appealed, which which to me is so abhorrent. But um, you know, the procedure was an injunction, not a flat out win yet, but it's typically tantamount to a win. You know, that, that's generally what happens. I think the other thing we need to consider here is what is the First Amendment? What does it prohibit? And, you know, in the context of freedom of speech and really any freedom that the First Amendment has, which is uh, speech, religion, and uh, it also has something called the entanglement clause that the government can't get entangled into uh, religious endeavors. But in a freedom of speech uh, opinion or in a freedom of speech decision, the first thing the court has to look for is whether there's something called government or state action. We talked a little bit about this last week where, you know, I can discriminate against your speech, Norm. In other words, a, a social media platform can decide on its own to say, Norm, you know, this common sense Ohio nonsense, we're not going to let you, uh, we're not going to let you uh, spew that 
dangerous, awful stuff anymore on our social media platform. And as long as that doesn't have any um, hand of the government behind it, they they can do that. Now there might be another, there might be other ways or other reasons why you would challenge that decision and go after the social media platform. And this may be a Rob Muse question up in Michigan. Uh, and anybody who remembers Rob, we interviewed him on some free speech stuff. But you know, it's not government action when a private entity does it, and therefore it doesn't violate the First Amendment. So when the NFL says you can, um, you have to stand or you have to kneel or you have to do this or that or the other. Uh, at, at an NFL contest, as long as the government's not acting, it's not a First Amendment problem. Um, here, however, and what you pointed out, Norm, is that the arm of the government was behind it. This was an agency relationship between the government and the social media platforms. The government, it, just because the government can't do it, or because the government can't do it, they can't also uh, suggest, and I put that word in quotes, that a private entity do it. Now, this happens all the time. Like, go look at banking regulations. Like, people say, well, the banks are private. It's like a horse hogwash. Oh, no. no hogwash, no. because yeah. the governmental regulatory scheme is so onerous that banks know that even, like, if they're going to even break ground on a new branch, they got to get government approval, and there's going to be all sorts of regulatory crap they got to go through. And, you know, it's like when, when I was in a fraternity in, in college, we tried to use this argument. Well, they just suggested that we do this, and we were hazing on our own. That was always the the argument of the fraternities that no, we just were doing it on our own. Yeah, nonsense. You know, you can't make that argument when it's pretty clear what the consequences are if you don't comply. This was even more direct than that. The, it's it's almost like the Biden administration, the executive branch of government, and by Biden administration, it's not like Joe Biden's getting on the phone, although he might have. Um, people have to understand the entire administrative state of government sits under the executive branch. So CDC and uh, Treasury and uh, ATF, uh, all those agencies that you love and adore and hate, and like I do, uh, all sit at the behest of the of the of the executive of of Biden. So when we're saying Biden, we're sort of using that as the executive branch. But, you know, people in the executive branch of government were picking up the phone literally and getting to their emails and saying, look, you have to deplatform or suppress certain messages of speech. And, you know, the, the big word or the big phrase that we all learned in law school norm and that we all sort of the buzzwords for First Amendment is something called content-based regulation. The government can't intervene and tell you what you can say and not say based on the content. Um, now, they can they can invoke something called time, place, and manner restrictions. So if you want to go have a protest at rush hour in the middle of a city and take over this, the main drag of the city, well, the government can say no to that. And as long as they're saying no to that to everybody equally uh, and not giving you a permit to do it, that's not going to be a content-based regulation. That's a time, place, and manner restriction. Here, it is unquestionably content-based. We don't like your messages, or we don't like these messages, um, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. So therefore, please suppress them. Uh, and now they are acting as an arm of the administrative uh, branch of government, the executive branch. And it's the same as the government doing it. And, you know, you would always wonder if the social media platform said no, what would happen to them? And, you know, that's, that's where the regulatory threat takes over because they're worried that the government's going to step in and pass some regulatory scheme that's going to make their lives miserable. And so they're going to comply. And, you know, this is like uh, FTC stuff. You know, Brett, I know that you wouldn't – or not FTC. Uh, FCC yeah. stuff. You know, this is the old George Carlin, the seven dirty words or whatever. Right. You know, it's like 
the government, the, the, the radio stations are deathly afraid of the government cracking down on them because that's how they earn their living, you know? Right. When, when you sit at the behest of the government and <clears throat> under the threat of regulatory, um, basically crushing regulatory schemes, you're going to do what they ask. Yeah, and, and I guess I was under the impression that the social media uh, platforms uh, are, are basically not under the thumb of the government. They, you know, they have uh, their terms of service that they, they're just a, they're a beacon of sending the signal out, let's put it that way, put it in TV and radio vernacular. Yeah. That it's part of the terms of service. We're just we're just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. We're, we just rebroadcast this stuff. We're yeah. not making it up. We're not a news source. Yep. So you can't control us. So, But but you're right. Something in the administration, uh, they got the thumb on them. Yeah. They, they scared something. Because they, they have an exemption. Someone. Yeah. They have an exemption. They're like a bulletin board right now. Mm-hmm. They have an exemption. So if it's just a bulletin board in and out and they're doing nothing to regulate the content, well, then they can keep operating. But as soon as they start regulating content, now they can be sued for things like slander or uh, or other private actions. And they've got an exemption from that right now. And I think they're all just deathly afraid of losing that exemption. So they're going to do what the government says. Yeah. And and I think yeah. also ideologically they fall in line with it. So that helps. I think for the most part, you're seeing that. Yes, correct. Correct. So the the, uh, attorney generals of the two states that brought this case, hey, Dave Yost, where the hell were you? Quote, unquote. Uh, I can tell you he's too busy worrying about constitutional law here in Ohio. <laughs> well, he's he, he's he's MIA on this case. Yeah, he is on this, so, one, which though. is interesting because it's it, it, you know it, Yost is usually front and center on this kind of stuff. So yeah. you know yeah. I, you, you wonder. Like, look, we can draw an adverse inference about Yost on this, or we could we could ask. A, I'd like to know more. You know, I'd like to know sure. how it was decided. Who was going to bring the suit? How it was going to how it was decided where the suit would be brought? And yeah. you know because yeah. I can't just say out of hand that Yost wouldn't be interested in this. I'm sure he was. Well, and, and well, where's his where's his amicus brief, right? So, like, yeah. I would just like you know, there there's a way for him to jump in, but at any rate, and maybe he did um, file one. I don't know. No, no he didn't file. He him. didn't. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. No, I checked. So the roving the, reporter, the, Norm, he, he found out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, uh, if there, you know, we are an Ohio-based uh, podcast, so. I, I the the two attorney generals, one of one from uh, the state of Louisiana, and one from the state of Missouri, uh, or the state of misery, as I call it. <laughs> the these two AGs brought this case. The one attorney general from Louisiana is now a U.S. senator. His name is Eric Schmidt, and um, Eric Schmidt, now that he's in the Senate, right? Um, wants to follow through with some on, you know, the the way this is portending, as Steve just described, is it's telegraphing probably. I I have to believe that the Supreme Court, whether it's 6-3 or whether it's a 9-0 opinion, which the Supreme Court did on that U.S. postal worker and his religious beliefs, that was a 9-0 decision. I, I don't know how our... Uh, SCOTUS would handle this case, but it it very well might come down to uh, uh, something more than six three, maybe eight two, or you know, I'm mean, eight one, or or seven two, or or whatever. But he's now a U.S. senator, and he said a couple of things about pending legislation 
in the wake of this injunction that they're starting to mull over in the Senate. Um, one is, as Steve alluded to, this protective uh, envelope that the social media exists in called Section 230, um, where uh, they cannot be held liable for content that is just up, so to speak, using Steve's analogy, on the bulletin board, right? But it is it, now there is evidence on the record, 155-page injunctive uh, decision, there is evidence on the record from all these depositions that they, in fact, do twiddle the knobs and, and, and the dials, and they do regulate content. And they do it at the behest of FBI agents like Elvis Chan, who went out for monthly get-togethers with social media, and, and he's just one person. This, mm -hmm. this went throughout the federal government. Um, so at any rate, uh, he's talking about in the future, if social media companies are found to have shadow banned, deplatformed, et cetera, that there will be a, a, a U.S. regulation that they lose their uh, 230 uh, protections. Well, they and don't he, even have to lose it because they're just not complying. You know, it's like as long as they're, they're not complying. Yeah, it's, right. it's like it, nothing really would have to change. Somebody. I, I, well, I, he wants I, it, Steve. He wants it to be a penalty. He wants that company when they make that decision. Right. He wants that company to be off the 230 protective. Well, uh, I guess what I'm yeah. saying is I think they are. I, so here's what's going to happen here. Here's the best way, I think, to test this. Somebody's going to have to sue social media sue one of the sue facebook or one of these other platforms and say i was slandered on your platform and the, the the social media company is then going to assert a defense you know the section 230 defense said we're you know we have exemption from such lawsuits because we are um we are uh we're just a bulletin board and we don't uh like you said twiddle the knobs norm and and and, and regulate what's going in and out and and tweak yeah. it here or there. And, you know, there's going to be a, eventually a judicial decision that says, no, you have lost your exemption under this section uh, because you are engaged in content-based um, uh, tweaking. And, yeah. and, and now that could also happen another way, and I'm no expert on this stuff. I'm just sort of issue spotting. That could also happen another way. Like you're saying, Norm, there could be some legislative changes that just eliminate that exemption altogether. Um I think the better way to handle it would be assuming the regulation. I haven't read it, I mean, or at least I, when I read it, it was a summary. And it, you know, usually you pull, you open up those books, and they're like paragraphs and paragraphs without. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's awful um, with it's references right. to different sections and parts. But um, yeah. you know, it may be that you have to have a change in the regulatory scheme in order to permit lawsuits. But it also might be written in such a way that a lawsuit itself could bust through it because it might be a condition precedent <clears> that they are not that these companies are not engaging in this kind of in this kind of censorship and if they are well they lose the condition precedent and uh now a lawsuit can be had so it'll be interesting and you know some of this is table pounding in the senate and the house or whatever but uh some of it actually i think like like anything and i think we've seen this in the last two or three weeks um a lot of stuff just has to take the time to meander through the court system um in order to shake out another one like this norman's probably a good shift is um the student loan debt forgiveness and you know biden uh how many months ago said i'm going to just issue this executive order for giving all student loan debt not all but forgiving student loan debt and even pelosi at the time 
was saying, well, we don't have authority to do it. Everybody knew that Biden didn't have authority to do it, but he did it anyway as political theater. And now they're acting like they're, they're outraged because the courts struck down uh, that action. You know, they're using, and, and maybe this is what upsets me about all this crap, is that it shows, it's like the old Jackie Gleason, what we're, or, uh, what we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. <laughs> and, and it is. Um, I think that's it smoking is, to me. Right. Because what it, it like Biden knows he did this on a couple of things. He did it with um, uh, benefits to farmers. He did it with uh, student loan forgiveness and all these executive orders that he absolutely freaking knew were unconstitutional in violation right. of equal protection, in violation of his authority under the uh, administrative procedure, whatever it would be. He knew he didn't have the authority, and he's like, I'm going to do it anyway and let the courts strike it down. So it, it makes you wonder, you know, as a practical matter, where are we as a society when our our president, literally our president says, I don't care what the law says, I'm doing it anyway. And, right. you know, everybody would say, well, I don't care because I agree with the action or not everybody. A lot of people will say that. Well, it's worth it because we should have our debt forgiven. Well, what about when the man or the gal that you don't want in the office takes over and has the same uh, power of the pen to do it the other way? You know, this is the seesaw that you, that nobody ever for that often the left doesn't see as a reality. You know, we're going to we're going to get rid of the short term uh, regulatory problem just so we can get done get this done because it's worth it. But then they lose sight of the fact that every time you, you you disrespect the legal standards that are in place, the fundamental standards of play, the rules, then you ruin the game for everybody. And and that's what's going on. So when Biden does this, when Biden says, I'm going to just forgive student loans anyway, even though I know I don't have the power to do it. And then they're going to use that now as a platform to pack the court because it's so unfair. You know, it's like it, it's these are. Yeah. These are dangerous plays, folks. These are really dangerous plays. You can't change the rules of the game to fit what you want in the short term, um, it, it, because sooner or later the devil turns back on you, and then you'll it'll all be gone. And it, you know, it, it, just because Biden doesn't wear jackboots and march around, um, it's the it doesn't mean it's not the same conduct as this other authoritarian authoritarian crap. You know, doing what you want just because you're president and you think the law doesn't uh, you don't like the law, so you're just not going to follow it. I mean, that's what's yeah. happening here. Yeah, I don't like the law. Right. I'm not going to follow it, so well, I'm going to do it. And I think it speaks to – we've talked about executive orders in the past I too. I think this is a nice blow against them. Absolutely. Maybe it starts – I don't care what political party the president is in at the time. Think twice about doing an executive order because they, are, they may not stand. It may, it not, may stand. not stand. So quit pulling this pen out of your pocket and just do an executive order, executive order, executive order, and think you're skirting stuff. And, and the bulwark against it right now happens to be the Supreme Court. And if you change that fundamentally, and they're going to, they're going to try, this is coming. Um, it, 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 I have a hunch it's coming, that they're going to be, there's going to be threats to either limit terms, put restrictions, uh, pack the court, add justices, um, because you don't like what's happening here. The last bulwark against this crap will be gone. Mm, yeah. It'll be right. gone. Because the other side is going to do the same damn thing. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, and and as we discussed last week on the affirmative action, uh, epic affirmative action on uh, college admissions case that the Supreme Court came out with, um, that, again, to me, and, and I think to people who construe Supreme Court decisions uh, like this that are principled, it was an originalist decision. It was not a conservative versus liberal 
although that is the way it's being marketed Big right time. in Big the time. in the in the dominant media correct the dominant correct. media would look at this and say oh well this louisiana u.s district court judge that wrote this 155 page injunction uh decision that this fellow uh because he was a trump imp- uh, appointee that this guy you know is acting out some kind of conservative agenda well no he's not because this decision protects liberal views conservative views communist views socialist views any freaking kind of you know any view, correct right? so uh, yeah. you know a a conservative social media platform to the extent such a thing exists also cannot do this right so now exactly. now if desantis is elected president or trump is reelected as president or whoever a republican uh conservative is elected they can't call up the social media platforms on the other side and do the same exactly. thing they can't do it either and the same is true with affirmative action right you can't like affirmative what what the court is saying is you can't discriminate based on race and you can't let white people in and not let black people in you can't let you know it works in the reverse as well but nobody ever sees it that way they only see the immediate problem in front of them it's a very short-sighted viewpoint on this stuff and you know we don't need to open up the debate on on affirmative action again but you know i, I think you're right norm what the court is saying is look here's the platform of the constitution here's what is permitted here's what's not permitted go forth and write laws and do whatever you want and come back if so, if you've run a foul again we're going to slap it down again um and and this is what's going to happen and i'm i'm actually okay with it you're you're reading all these things on affirmative action how court or how uh, universities are you're going to develop policies to get around it fine do it because what's going to happen is somebody's going to bring another lawsuit and we're going to sort it out through the common law process it's going to take years it's going to take years friends and folks it's going to take a long time to 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 figure it all out but this is how the system works. It's not designed for immediate action. It's not. Um, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's meant to evolve with society. And our Constitution provides a basic foundational framework. It's like when you see the pictures of them building the Empire State Building. It starts with steel girders. That's what the Constitution is. The gingerbread you hang on top of it, that can change. But the girders have to stay the same. Otherwise, the building falls. And I think SCOTUS has an opportunity, too, to lay out, okay, if we do this, in my ruling – this is going to happen potentially. Think about the future. Yes, and yeah. and Scotus says that pretty well. Uh, you know, whether it's a minority minority re, uh, opinion or a majority, that they lay out the groundwork. Going, we thought about this, and we thought of all the scenarios that's going to happen after our ruling, mm-hmm. uh, whether I agree with it or not. And the minority that minority re, you know opinions are actually pretty interesting to read about what they project will happen. Yeah, if you're if you really want to be a constitutional scholar, on you have to read all the opinions mm-hmm. and there's so many decisions. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there's so many decisions that are called plurality where there isn't really a consensus on, there might be a consensus on which direction the case is decided, but not on why. And you know, you'll get different reasoning from four different judges and you'll be like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> right. And, yeah, and right. then you read the dissents and that's why, you know, that that's where the, that's where the true scholars exist. They read all those decisions and they get to know the justices and what the influences are and where the trends are. Um, but you know, I, I don't have any problem with universities trying to skirt the constitutional decision here. Have at it, have at it because the lawyers will come in and the litigants will come in and they're going to challenge it. And if it's unconstitutional, it'll be ruled unconstitutional. If it's not, then you've, you've found a way around it. You can't legislate human nature from the Congress. You can't legislate human nature from the executive branch and you can't do it from the U S Supreme court. You cannot do it. 
Now, the uh, the one really, 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 although not surprising, but really, really disappointing reaction to this um, uh, Missouri versus Biden First Amendment case uh, where, uh, it, you know, as Steve said, it's not final, but it's, you know, it's pretty clear uh, to me at any rate that further litigation in front of this particular judge by the Biden administration is uh it's a foregone conclusion how he's going to uh, how right. he's eventually going to going to rule um, because he ta- he goes through the evidence and and then he and then he you know t- t- tells you in the injunction order you know how uh, if if proven that this is so prejudicial and so uh, contra to the First Amendment you know that it's outrageous and uh, probably I think his words were this is probably the most egregious uh, federal stomping of the First Amendment rights ever in yeah. U.S. history. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it's an unbelievable... It, it, is, it is an intentional content-based <clears throat> government action against speech. So it is like they are saying, you can say this, but you can't say that. And, and, you know, yeah. how and if you say that, we will shut you we down, we will shut you down. I mean, that extra like, sentence there, which, yes. which is which is like, uh, you know, as, as you know, Ben Shapiro always says this, all this kind of regulation comes at the end of a gun barrel. You know, you've got because there is the power of the government behind it. They can pull a gun on you and arrest you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. the, the the what's so offensive about this to me is that somehow the left Biden and his folks, they're actually appealing this, which is, you know, it's all for show, but they're appealing it. Um, Somehow they think it's okay because the ends justify the means. And, you know, this is where it gets really scary. This is exactly what the First Amendment says you can't do. The ends don't justify the means. They do not. You can't suspend the First Amendment because you think your agenda is just so true that you have the right to tamp out anything that's against it. It's like, and that's what they're doing. That This is them saying... We are right. You are wrong. We are the arbiters. We being the government, this branch of government, um, this uh, political party, we are the arbiters of what's true. And if you disagree, right. not only is it untrue, we're not going to let you talk. The the I mean, how is that? Show, not, how's that not Hitlerian? Right. Oh, completely. It's tyrannical. This 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 show, gentlemen, is called Common Sense, right? It is Common Sense, Ohio. But we got the name from a pamphlet, right, published by Thomas Paine uh, during the pre-revolutionary buildup to our Declaration of Independence as a country. This judge issued this order on July 4th. It is no, it is no, like, it, yeah, it, that's the not federal a court, no, yeah. no, this federal courthouses were closed on July 4th, right, Tuesday. Yeah. And he issued he issued this uh, injunctive relief on that day. And if Thomas Paine, Ben Franklin, uh, you know, John Hancock, the people who signed the Declaration of Independence, they knew. I mean, they actually said in the document that they're putting their lives on the line using the speech and, and, and promoting separation from Great Britain. Well, uh, from England at the time. Uh, and 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 so, you know, they were facing death for using words. And so nothing could be more dear to them 
than placing the right of free speech and assembly as first amongst the Bill of Rights. It is the most like you have no uh, the other nine bill of uh, the other nine bills of rights and the and and successive amendments. None of them have any effective um, protection for the citizens if if you don't have your basic right to speak, to write, to create art, to assemble, to do all to go to pr- go to the church of your choosing or not have a church. Oh, none of that is. Uh, none of the other rights exist if you don't have the First Amendment right well, to have your own opinion. And, and look, there was another case. I think it was called Pointer versus Texas, where and this is back in the eighties. I have to look it up. Uh, back in the I forget the date of the decision, but Pointer versus Texas says you can burn a flag, or, or better put, the government can't prevent you from burning a flag. The government can't pass a law that says you're not allowed to burn a flag. So think about that for a second. Our Supreme Court said a law that prohibits me from burning the United States flag is unconstitutional. That and and they were burning the flag in direct protest to the United States government in sedition, right? And saying yeah, we don't right. like the U.S. government. We're going to burn the flag. Um, you know, these right. are or what if the government? What if the United States government passed a law that says you are not allowed to kneel during the national anthem? You have to stand and salute the flag. This is what we're talking about. That is that this is the other side of that coin. If if the government can't say you're not allowed to burn the flag, then they also can't suppress other types of speech, even if you agree or disagree with it. So when you know when when the patriots had the helm to to sort of take up the cause of of the left, um, they would have gone bananas. If the left would have gone bananas if they passed a law that says you're prohibited from burning the flag because that's our right of free speech. We should challenge these things. Or you're not allowed to protest Black Lives Matter. You can't do that. Or you're not allowed to um, uh, challenge Donald Trump because he happens to be the president. You would go ballistic if that's the situation. You can't have it both ways, folks. You cannot have it both ways and expect the safeguards to be there when you get the power back. You can't do it. And and here, yep. this is what the Supreme Court, or this is what this judge said with resounding um, pomp and circumstance, releasing 150-page <laughs> yeah. p- p- opinion on July 4th. You know, like you said, that is no coincidence. He did that to make a point. He did that to say, look, folks, this is why our <laughs> country exists, and this is why we're still better than all the other countries. Nobody has this like we have it. And you are tinkering with the steel girders that are holding up the Empire State Building. Yeah, he... Uh so I was talking about my disappointment. Didn't didn't get there. <laughs> my fault. I'm a little long winded about this because this this case excites me tremendously. I think this is the issue uh, for 2023. This, you know, what could be more serious? What could be more important? But the reaction of the legacy media to this decision is so shameful. When I hear people on you know, CNN or MSNBC or the Washington Post, New York Times, the Atlantic, even the ACLU basically saying, oh, no, no, Uh, a a little bit of a little bit of uh, censorship, right, in the name of what I view as the truth, you know, for conveniently for in favor of my particular axis to grind, uh, that's okay. You, you actually have news media who, who only exist because of the First Amendment. 
If we wouldn't have a New York Times, we wouldn't have an Atlantic, we wouldn't have a CNN in a in a non-free country because administrations that didn't like what they were showing, say in Vietnam, or what they were showing at Abu Ghraib, you know, with uh, treatment of Iraqi prisoners during Desert Storm, these kinds of things where the media shows that the government is doing terrible things in the name of the American people. The My Lai massacres in Vietnam, right, by Lieutenant Calley and his company, uh, where, where they slaughtered a whole village. Those kinds of stories in a dictatorship or a, a tyrant, tyrannical government, you know, like a Putin's Russia, let's just take that one, or Xi's China, those stories would never see the light of day. And in fact, Chinese people don't even know about Tiananmen Square because of things like uh, censorship. And, and for the New York Times and the Washington Post, which exist, which are al allowed to uh, flower and, 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 and make money and, and, you know, and communicate a lot of views I don't agree with, but they're allowed to exist by virtue of the first amendment. And yet they decry this judge's uh, decision to get the government the hell out of regulating opinion. It's, it's so outrageous and it's so antithetical to what, a free press should be all about that. It, it, Steve, Brett, it blows my mind. Yeah, I, my mind. I think the legacy media, I, I guess I'm not that surprised, honestly, because social media has dethroned legacy media Yeah, as, as king of the, the megaphone. Yeah, it, it, really it, it, it really has. And I think it's a jealousy thing. Um, but you're right. I think legacy media is, is um, not looking too far into the future where – um, they could come back and bite them in the butt if they don't. Well, it, if you know, Donald it, Trump it, would they, have they, said, you know, legacy media is already a filter yes. for for voices. You know, if you put in a uh, an opinion piece into the Columbus Dispatch, there's no guarantee you'll be printed up, even on the print uh, the digital side. Yeah, they filter this stuff. So it don't, don't sure. it don't you know, listener, don't even think twice about that. Leg, you know, social media is the only one that's you know, filtering and and uh, dark screening people can, legacy can, media is too can you imagine if trump gets reelected and issues an executive order saying to the new york times you can't print anything or we're going to suppress from you printing anything that is contrary to my agenda like it like Unreal. that's what we're talking about here it, it is that is what we're talking about here and and norm your point is so good is that it's almost like they're fish swimming in the water and they don't know they're in water you know they don't realize that the water that's creating the buoyancy for them to exist actually is the first amendment and they're willing to look out to to look at everybody else and say we're so right we're not worried that we'll ever be wrong you know it it, it just is like it's so insane to me um, but you know, they're, they're, this is why the founders, you know, everybody's gonna say, well, they had slaves and they had this and they had that. Right. right they did. And there are a lot of flawed guys that back in those days, but at the same time, they realized the danger of this stuff. Right. I mean, they realized how important it was to have these protections. They realized how important it was, uh, to make sure the government couldn't stop, uh, the presses. And also debunking, they were a bunch of old white guys. Yeah. The average age, I looked this up last week, saw that we might go there. The average age on the most was uh, like 35. Most of them were yeah. in their 40s, but 35. Now, at that time, that's kind of old. I it's guess. older, you know, yeah. It's older. Maybe, but, the, maybe it's 50 but, today. But, but, but let's think. 
they're still 35 yeah. for the most part. And some much older, some much younger, but 30 to the, the 40s. Think about what you were doing, listener, as a 30 to 40-year-old person. If you are right now, would you have the wherewithal to think of, about the future like this? Right. You know, and, and, <laughs> It's mind-boggling if you think about it. And to create a government that would prevent you from doing what you're doing, you, you know, it's like, or, or that, that would permit contrary voices Correct. to what you've just established. Like, think about that for a second. We created a government that permits its own citizens from talking against the government. Or that uh, per- that permits our own citizens to talk against the government. Yes. Now, we created a government that allows dissent. We created a government that allows us, the people, to say, we don't agree with you. We don't agree with our country. You're we allowed to have a hashtag on your, on your car truck, hashtag FJB. Yes. You're allowed to have it. Yes. You, you you can you can say or, D, or, or DJT either yes. way correct yeah, yes either way yeah. and and right. and obviously you're signaling and going eh, I'm probably not going to have a great conversation with that person yeah no, <laughs> if, so if, if you're if making your a, point, a point you are expressing your opinion yeah and if you're not allowed to do that or if if the federal government if the United States government specifically the executive specifically the president of the United States says you can't do that. How's that going to make you feel? Where does that leave us as a country? I think it destroys our country. It destroys it from within, and it's over. The girders are gone. Yeah, you know, it just yeah. it, it doesn't exist. And, you know, we're we're getting so dramatic about this, but I think it's important that we do. Well, but it's a soft spot for us because of the podcast. Right, we're doing it. We're engaged in what this freedom is. Right, you know, and this may be the last vestige of freedom of speech is podcasting. I, I you know, it's funny. I think there are two. I think it's podcasting and this this sort of alternative realm of of uh, expression. And you know what the other one is? Stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. You know, stand-up yeah. comedy. Yeah. Um, comedians, comedians like, I, you know, I watched an old uh, George Carlin uh, bit on uh, how the, how the, our country back, that was probably back in the eighties, how our country has become so obsessed with um, fear of safety and fear of, of, of what's going to happen to you that they've given up. They're trading their freedom for protection. And you know, that's exactly what happened during COVID and that's exactly what this decision is all about. This was about COVID era stuff where the government was tamping out any contrary viewpoint. And and let me tell you something. It's not just because they thought they were right. That's a bunch of hogwash. It's because they made a shit ton of money on this. Um, there was a lot of money changing hands between big pharmaceuticals, the vaccine, uh, the government uh, shutting everything down and not wanting to be called out to the carpet on why they were shutting things down. People dying in droves because they weren't getting treatments that would have worked, therapeutic treatments that wouldn't have worked. The government doesn't want to be called out on this crap. It's like the Pentagon Papers, yeah. Norm. Remember, it's, and I think was the New York Times, um, where well, uh, they give, wanted give, to publish. Give you, a good, you give you a good example of of during COVID. So the American people still don't know about the origins of COVID. The world doesn't know, and we're talking millions and millions, tens of millions, um, supposedly, right, have died worldwide of this disease and it has been a taboo subject for the for for scientists for politicians uh who want to know all about the origins and also the other big story in covid that was suppressed and we could talk about masks and all kinds of things that were suppressed all kinds of topics but the one story that involves the united states government is the fact, and we know this to be a fact, that Francis Collins and Dr. Anthony Fauci 
100% authorized money for the Wuhan laboratory to engage, and they use third-party cutouts, but U.S. taxpayer dollars went to finance COVID, this, this whole this whole scientific investigation that to give credit to President Obama, he he issued a presidential directive that no U.S. funds were to underwrite this research. And Collins and Fauci got around Obama's order by, by using a third-party cutout and our dollars. This is the scandal that Fauci and, and his cohorts cut you know, suppressed free speech and the in the in the Biden administration oppressed free speech of people discussing how the U.S. government was involved in this gain of function research right. at the Wuhan lab. What could be more apropos for the media to expose than that story? Yes, this is like this is this is like bombshell stuff. This this should have been bombshell. a bombshell story. You know, Fauci became a millionaire after skirting uh law that prohibited him from doing what he was doing and then yeah. he went forward and and orchestrated suppression of any opinions to the contrary why do you think it's really because he was trying to save american lives or do you think he was worried about getting caught violating the law and making millions of dollars while doing it you know it's like and maybe both yeah. are true but still the, the the new york times should have been on this like molasses i mean it in big time man in, and i think part of the reason that they that they're you know completely recoiling over this injunction decision is because the legacy media has been caught with their pants down there have been stories of the century that they have failed to cover in any substantial way sometimes in the case of of these various uh, news channels which aren't really news it's propaganda the the they haven't spent 10 minutes on the Hunter Biden laptop, on on Fauci's funding of gain of function, of all of these different stories that are now being, you know, the onions being peeled back. And we're finding that, oh, well, Twitter really did work with the U.S. government to, su to suppress speech. And, and they are, there's egg on their faces all across all these newsrooms. Because now in the wake of things like the Durham report, which has conclusively proven that the Russia thing was a complete hoax. After feeding us this bullshit for the last six years or so, that, oh, it, it was definitely a Russian operation. No, it was a Hillary Clinton DNC operation. And it's true. And none of it was none of it was true. And and yet, where are the front page headlines about, oops, hey, people, for the next three years, we're going to run a headline saying, the Russia Trump shit is a complete lie. It never happened. Durham's report exposed all that. Mueller's report exposed all that. The attorney, the uh, the inspector general exposed all that. Various con congressional committees, senatorial committees have proven all that. Where you know where does Trump get his reputation back? Right. In a lot of ways, that's why I'm a DeSantis supporter because as a practical matter, they have destroyed. Donald Trump, the legacy media has, they are, I mean, yeah, he's up in the polls and all that stuff, but they set out to destroy this guy and he is a jackass. Okay. But setting that aside, 
they, they, they went after this guy, made up stuff, and the news media carried that stuff as if it was factual without any real reporting or investigation. And now the, the public knows it. The jig is up. We all see it for what it is. And they, they should be, I mean, they should all turn in their Pulitzer Prizes and they should resign. And a new wave of young journalists like this Matt Taibbi fellow no, you know, no, like, like common sense Ohio norm. This, and <laughs> yes, and I mean that. I mean like that. Us. I mean that because, no. like you said, Brett, the the medicine here, the tonic for this is happening. It's happening at the grassroots level. This is what makes our country awesome because we never just yeah. Americans don't just sit back by and large and and march in line. You know, we all this. Our country was founded on this. People you say, well, you know, uh, England doesn't have guns and England doesn't have this. It's like, yeah, we 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 left. Right? We, we left and created right, our own version. Right. And, you know, Americans are cocky cowboys, perhaps. But we also don't sit down on our hands, by and large, and take this kind of nonsense. And I think a couple of points that you brought up, Norm, I was about to say, because it's not just Fauci making money. It's about taking out your political rival. They use social media. The, the opposing political party use social media to take out a political rival. And when the government is behind that, it is deathly dangerous. It is. I mean, yeah. it's like that is that is like the worst of the worst. Um, and, you know, it, it's maybe it always comes back to this for anybody who wants to tinker with these sort of constitutional foundations. The ends always justify the means somehow in the short term for them. But um, it, it, when you get rid of the when you get rid of the of the protections just to meet your end then they're gone forever, you know, and that's, that's always what I always come back to is because you want to flip this around. If Donald Trump were doing this to Hillary, would that be tolerated by anybody? If, um, maybe this is a good segue into the white house white powder because the media is doing the same thing here, Norm. They're sort of downplaying the fact that there's a bunch of, there was a, there was cocaine found in the freaking white house in the, in like the West wing, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, you can laugh about it cause it is sort of funny, I suppose. But on the other hand, what if this were in the Trump regime? What if this were Trump's kids who had, um, had cocaine, they would have been all over it and they should be. This is a story, right? This is not yeah. like laugh it off. Like somebody's snorting lines in the freaking white house. And let me put it in perspective just to bring it back to Ohio. That's a felony. It's a crime. Yeah. Nowhere right. is cocaine permitted. Now, we can debate about whether or not we should have uh, a libertarian approach at narcotics and drugs and whether it should be lawful and you should be able to use it, but you're not, right? That's not the law right now. Right. It is a crime. I have people in prison for using cocaine, and cocaine creates addiction. Addiction creates all sorts of other um, crime, and, you know, again, we can debate how to handle that, at, at, you know, as a, as a practical matter, but as a, as a very factual matter here, somebody is committing felonies in the White House. Now- who could it be? Is it the guy who's got a cocaine addiction and a crack cocaine addiction that has been uh, widely uh, sort of publicized? Or is it somebody else? Is it a worker? Is it a cleaning guy? Whatever. I heard uh, Dan, what's his name, Bongino? He said he used yeah. to work with the Secret Service. He's like, no way. It had to be a family member because everybody else is uh, is searched and, and, and scrutinized getting in. I don't know if I buy that, yeah. but it's a worthwhile question. You know, it's like it, it, who wouldn't be asking, is this Hunter Biden? Who wouldn't be asking what is going on in the White House that people are using drugs? You know, it's like, it, and we're not, you know, I'll even make the distinction between, you know, like member Snoop Dogg says he got high at one of the parties with uh, at the under, I think it was Obama. Um, but on the other hand, this is Coke. 
You know, this is a yeah, big I think, deal. Uh, yeah. I think it was Willie Nelson and uh, Jimmy Carter's son blew a doobie out on the uh, portico of yeah. the White House. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> Which, you know, it's you know, sort of funny. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's still well, a story. And, 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 you know, let's look at Grant. Blowouts with alcohol. He was kind of not looked upon as a great president because of his big parties with all the alcohol. Oh, yeah, they're they're getting plastered. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Kind of the same vein. This is, let's respect the House. Yeah. Well, but this is, look, alcohol wasn't against the law at the time. It wasn't, right. And and it may not be the best comparison, but at the same time, partying in the White House, stupid stuff's going on. Let's let's figure it out. (laughs) Let's figure it out. So if you're Joe Biden, what would your, what would your, like, I, I try to put myself in this situation. If I were the president and on my watch, somebody found Coke in the White House, I would be out there saying, we are going to figure this out. Here's what right. we know. Here are the facts. Right. And we're getting like these dubious, no pun intended. We were talking about dubious. dubious. We're getting these dubious responses, like Biden sort of laughing it off. And, because and, he knows well, where it's from. It, it seems me, to, it seems to it suggest It smells that. like yeah. that. Yeah. Let me Again, jump no in. Let me jump in. Yeah. So one of yeah. the one of the corrosive downsides of politicizing uh, arms of the federal government, like the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, and in, and in this case, the Secret Service that is there to protect the president and other particularly named uh, high uh, office people, Speaker of the House president of the Senate, you know, they get, and former presidents, they get Secret Service protection. Back when Biden was vice president, um, in fact, when he was, I think when he was out of office, so he was a former vice president, this was when Hunter's gun was thrown away at his uh, behest, or he did personally, I forget which, but basically he irresponsibly handled his firearm and threw it or caused it to be thrown in a trash can at a shopping mall across the street from a school. I think that's the story. The Secret Service, which at that time, and I I don't know if they provide protection, say, for Mike Pence now, for example, another former VP, but at that time, Secret Service protection didn't even exist for former vice presidents like Biden. And at his beck and call the secret service went out and retrieved that pistol from the garbage and 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 i mean they they then covered up their role the secret service covered up their role in it and it's only because of the hunter black you know laptop fiasco that some of these stories are now known who who knows what we don't know what's not on the black uh, the, the laptop but but here is abuse of the Secret Service. Secret Service should have told former Vice President Biden, listen, call the Metro D.C. police or call, you know, call some other law enforcement agency. We don't work for you. We're not your shock troops. We don't go out and clean up your messes, much less a mess of your son who never was elected to anything, who, who we owe no duty to whatsoever. That same Secret Service is now in charge of this cocaine investigation. Yeah. And so, so it's another Biden situation involving the Secret Service. Protecting now, do you him. Think the, do you think the American people have confidence, given what the Secret Service did for Joe when he was out of office, now that he's POTUS, 
my God, are we ever going to get to know the facts? Well, what do you think the American people think about their FBI, their CIA, and their Secret Service now? That it's been politicized. And, and let me tell you, you have, once it happens once, it's going to happen again. And, and this is an interesting point that uh, I think you made, or at least a thought that your point gave me, and that is it, it, it wouldn't have been all that bad at the time for Joe Biden just to say, look, my son's got problems. He's going to deal with the law just like everybody else is going to deal with the law. Um, there was a gun de- deposit in the trash. I think his wife did it or his girlfriend or somebody at the time. You know, it's like yeah. he would have taken a hit. Now, but because he was protected there, they're going to protect him. If he's the guy with the cocaine, they're going to protect him here. So, again, Biden should say, look, if this were Hunter, I'm going to find out about it, folks. Nobody's a, Nobody is above the law here in my White House, and he'll, right. he'll have to pay for it. You know, it, in it, spite it, of his sweetheart deal on irs infractions but again it's become it's become a habit so we're going to protect hunter because it protects joe and it protects our person in the office and the media is going to whitewash this and and candy coat it and say oh no big deal you know joe's such a good dad and you know there's another component of this you know he's just trying to be a good father it's like no no his son and probably Joe have engaged in corruption at the highest level. He's getting millions of dollars from other countries trading on his dad's name. It's like, that's a effing story. Yeah. On the view to, to, to to support your point, Steve on the view, I think it was Sonny Hostin or one of those dim bulbs. Excuse me. I shouldn't say, shouldn't say that. You love her. You know, I do love her, but she can be a dim bulb and I still love her. But one of the ladies of the view, which is just, you know, your daily infusion of idiocy into the body politic, said, actually said that Joe Biden's actions to if if he did cause a sweetheart deal for Hunter, you know, uh, using Merrick Garland and, you know, deciding not to press charges and and a a very light uh, recommendation to the judge. We'll see if the judge accepts a plea deal, et cetera, et cetera that the reason all of that happened is because it's fatherly love. You can't blame the Biden family because he loves his son and who wouldn't do anything in the name of family unity and loving their son. Well, I'll tell you this, Norm Murdoch wouldn't do that. I'd hire Steve Palmer, the best attorney I know to represent one of my sons if they were in this situation. But I sure as hell wouldn't pick up the phone and call the U.S. attorney and expect that they're going to give me a sweetheart deal because it ain't going to happen. Well, and it's not it's not right that it would happen. It's it, but I think it's more subtle than that, which makes it even more dangerous. It is understood that the U.S. attorney will do that. It doesn't have to be a call anymore. You know, it's like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, a nod. Right. You know, will somebody right. rid me of this menace? And uh, it happens. Right. You know, right. it's like it, it's it's become more sinister because it's it's almost an unspoken rule that they're going to that they being uh the The justice department the deep state the media are they're going to protect anything that is uh contrary to their agenda well and it's sad that fatherhood is equal to enabler enabling which 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 biblically and historically in every psychological way absurd of course it pains us as fathers to see our sons or daughters make mistakes but how how does it help if we continue to enable? We're going to do everything we can to help them, get the best right. lawyer, the best attorneys, the best mental health care, addiction care, whatever, 
but you're but, not going to go buy off the jury. No, are you? you're not going to. No, you're not going to do that. No, right. because there ha- there has to be a better outcome than that. Well, the and hardest for the thing, long run, the hardest thing we do as fathers is permit our children, particularly our sons, to fail. Correct. That's right. You know, because only in failure can you learn. And only in failure do you grow. It's like you you go to the gym and you work out hard and you get, you leave and you're all sore and your muscles are feel like they're, you know, you can't move your arms or whatever it is. What's happened is you've created thousands of little tears in your muscle fibers and in the healing process, they get bigger and stronger. You know, it's like the hardest thing. I I use that analogy because I have to, I have to remind myself often, you know, my sons, they forget their lunch. It's like, sorry, I'm not bringing it to you. You know, not, no, you're going to have to figure it out on your own. And they're not going to learn uh, not to forget their lunch, but they're going to learn how to solve the problem when they do. And, and right. it's such a bigger lesson. And, and, you know, the media should be praising a father who lets their son fail and learn and get better as opposed to praising a father who protects their son and particularly protects their son unlawfully. You know? I, yeah. You yeah. Know, the, That's yeah. unreal. It is. It, it's, it is. So, and, and it makes you question other things like, well, I wonder how much Joe Biden really knew and how much money he was getting. Why is Joe Biden a millionaire? Like, look, these are yeah. questions that the media historically would be all over. How did Joe Biden become a millionaire in public service? Yeah. And, and it may be that he has a bunch of cushy speaking gigs and he makes a million a, a, a pop. So be it. At least we know. Yeah. But uh, something tells me there's more there, in, in the darkness, back to the free speech movement. In the darkness is where these things grow, you know. So now I wonder if they're suppressing any question about how Joe Biden became a millionaire. It makes you wonder whether it was legit um, because they won't go look. You know, it's like when things are hidden like this from the public purview, that's when the conspiracy theories grow. And it may be that it's true. It may be that he is concealing criminal behavior. It may also be that he just uh, the media just wants to protect him against any possible conceivable threat like a father overprotecting their kid. And now you end up with this huge, enormous backlash, and it cometh right quick. Yeah, yeah, and hope. so you know the, the 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 state itself is now questioning its constituency, the American people who it ostensibly exists to serve. The state is now so worried about conspiracy theories and fringe groups. And people with uh, tinfoil hats and wacky ideas about everything from UFOs to JFK's assassination, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the state wonders why there has been this upsurge on social media of people questioning the basic truthfulness of what we've been told in the Warren report or about the, the Operation Blue Book about you all these various issues and they and they wonder why is the american why are the american people so cynical and and so mistrustful of government well jesus christ excuse the expression but my god it's because of stuff like this yeah. it's because yeah. the 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 so the, the secret service which dan bongino was a, a an agent of i've got a classmate that's currently in the secret service these people are, are not there to protect opinions about the people that they're physically protecting. But yet that's what they, they've turned into a Praetorian guard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so the public doesn't trust these institutions anymore. You know, when James Comey tricks Trump, are you telling me the FBI director 
tricked Trump and, and tricked Mike Flynn into, uh, you know, being able to expose that uh, Mike Flynn talked to the Russian ambassador, you know, during the prelude to the Trump administration. So therefore, Mike Flynn is unfit to be national security advisor. I mean, all of this, all of these games, these political games that the deep state is playing, they don't, it blows me away. They don't understand how it is corroding their own authority. The, the, the people are not accepting the deep state and the deep state keeps trying to suppress us. And it's a never ending cycle. It, it, it's going to end up in a very ugly place, like on January 6th, right? Yep. Where a, a small group of people lost their shit. Right. And, and did some very illegal, very wrong and in some cases violent things. Other people were pretty innocent, you know, just got waved in. But that's like the very tip of the iceberg of where this could go or BLM or Antifa on the other side. Yeah. When you and, when and, you when you try to suppress, all it does is build up pressure. You know, it's yes, like sir. shaking a Coke bottle. You know, it, yes, it just is the pressure has to get relieved. You have to shed light on this. At people some point. ask, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? That, that's right. That, that's all it is. What are you hiding that we can't? You be, won't allow us to see what's going on, or to us to talk about it. What's behind the curtain? What's behind the curtain? And it's exceedingly that, frustrating. It's, it's and that pretty frustration simple. It's really simple. Into, yeah, and the frustration turns into anger. Yeah, and, and and it's because we're not used to this. <laughs> you know, right? It's like it, these no. are, these are no longer foil hat people. These are like, wait a minute, you lied to us in enormity about covid yeah. you lied you and, and, and everything I, lied and made thousands and millions and millions of, of dollars and i think we understand it, there are national security secrets that we do not want to know that sure. could probably keep us awake at night probably right that's of fine course. you know what there sure. are there are bigger brains and better brains that should hold that information i don't have to know that stuff but yeah we're not talking about like uh, battle plans here we're, yeah. we're talking about like right. whether the government should force me to get a shot and you're not going to even give me the data that I need to make the decision because right. that data is so dangerous to your position and contrary to what you want to do that you can't, you have, you can't tell me. And that's what, I mean, that's in simple terms, that's what's been going on. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, one of the key revelations in the Durham report, one of the people that he recommend for prosecution and the guy skated scot-free, is you had the FBI, I mean, just, just imagine this. This is the government lying to the court system. You have the FBI falsify a FISA request saying the information in this fake dossier, right, was verified information, that the FBI had verified it. When in fact, the FBI, we have now found out, the FBI never confirmed the dossier never substantiated it. They hired further sources, paid further money for other people to go out and try to verify what was in the dossier. And they came back and said, it's not true. We now know all that. But this guy wrote on his FISA request to, to spy on, you know, some of these Trump people. He wrote right on it to the FISA court. This information is verified. He later admitted that he lied. So the FBI guy lied and he admitted he lied and they they did not find him guilty. He, he was he, he is now practicing law, you know, in some Tony Georgetown law firm, scot free. Yep. Right. When when 
when when your clients for a DUI at least get three days in jail, right? This well, guy gets nothing. If somebody lies, say a law enforcement officer, and then we got we got to hit your nuggets and wrap it up after this. But say a law enforcement officer uh, lies to get a search warrant and searches your house, and there's no mm-hmm. consequence for that. And it's like, what do you think is going to? It's like we're in a, in in our country yeah. that isn't going to work. It's Where does that not going to gonna work in our right. country? It's not. Yeah. We're different. Yeah. We are not like everybody else. This crap, like you, you know, you go to Europe and it was like, well, Eastern, they all, uh, the Europeans, you know, they have a, such this awesome life, blah blah blah. They are so used to the, the the suppressive thumb on top of them that they don't even see these things as problems. It's like it's it, like government corruption is so natural and so commonplace that again, it's like the water they're swimming in, swimming in. They don't even know it exists, and they're totally yeah. cool with it. We are not. I am not. And, you know, fortunately, we got back to Ohio. We got guys like Jim Jordan who are out there trying to expose it. Guys like, uh, you know, at least they're having hearings and, and subpoenaing people and, and, and right. bringing this stuff out into the sunshine. So, and, and you know what? The media is, is smashing down on them like they're evil people for doing it. It's like it's so insane to me that that, yeah. that, that the content of people's speeches or people's speech and viewpoints ha- is so dangerous that it has to be suppressed. And it's it, to bring it back full circle, that's what this decision was all about this this district judge saying on July fourth we're not going to take it to quote, imagine twisted if sister. you are right. imagine if you are in a silo right informational silo and you're you're a daily subscriber to the New York Times right and that is your source of news maybe you don't watch TV you're not on the internet you get the New York Times which is supposed to be the newspaper of record is what they all always called themselves. And all you read is the New York Times, and you think you're a well-informed citizen. You read every issue, you know, front to back. And now all these stories are coming out, right, about things that the New York Times never covered or they covered on page 52. Or said right? it was categorically false. Yeah, right. right. I or mean, chastise anybody be, for even suggesting it. That it must be unbelievable to those people what they're reading now. Like, well, wait a minute. You mean Anthony Fauci owned patents? He lied. Or owned uh, <laughs> stock in these, in the, you know, you what do you, what do you mean? Uh, Hunter Biden, that laptop was known by the FBI as, as early as, I think, 2017. Right. And there's it, whistleblowers it, coming out in 19. Uh, yeah, it's unreal. That, that are saying we, like, there's a guy who proffered all sorts of crazy stuff and true or not. I don't know, but it was all suppressed and ignored. You know, it just is, uh, uh, yeah. all right. Well, with that, we got to wrap it up. Um, you know, we, we've been at this, uh, uh, quite a while, but I think, you know, we all got sort of, I did anyway, I got th- this stuff really strikes a chord with me because I, I truly, truly believe in freedom of speech and Brett, I know you do too, mm-hmm. particularly in your business with podcasts. It's like, and Norm, you know, we all know where you stand. You love everybody. And, um, if yeah. you know these are this is this may be uh norm you're, you're right this is the issue of the day this this is like a turning point and we can either um be machiavelli on top of the mountain uh and 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 just assume that these people have it uh, have us protected and give them all the power to control every single thing in the world or we can be the country that we were meant to be which is we have freedom of the press we have freedom of expression we have freedom of speech and there's nothing the government can do to stop that and um, if you're fighting against this decision because you don't like the content of what was said, think again, because sooner or later, the devil turns back on you. And with that, we will wrap up Common Sense Ohio. 
uh, for seven seven lucky seven seven 2023 if you can uh, check us out at commonsenseohioshow.com check out norm's blog brett's blog mine's uh still this is a goose egg zero um but uh, maybe one of these days uh uh, check it out wherever you get podcasts you can download it if you want to be a sponsor uh give us a shout you can just go to commonsenseohioshow.com if you got a question go to the same place there's a little interface we get the emails i promise we do uh, in fact they go to all three of our inboxes and we we discuss them uh in a lot of the topics that have been suggested we cover here so don't think that it doesn't um that we don't uh, listen we do uh thanks for listening folks we are coming at you right from the middle at least until now